Hello and welcome to Z3 News. I'm James Bailey and today is Saturday, June 20th, 2020. And today I'm going to be sharing 14 reasons why I believe this global pandemic is not what it appears to be. And I know even just saying that is enough to cause some people to get really riled up. They don't like it because it contradicts the popular narrative that we've been told through the mainstream media. But if we really want to know the truth of what's happening, then we should welcome all the facts. Because if our understanding is correct, then the facts should only reinforce what we already believe to be the truth. And so with that, I'm going to get started. Number one on my list is a statement made over three years ago, just 10 days prior to the inauguration of President Donald Trump. A statement was made by Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, NIAID. And the following is a 51-second clip of his statement is the issue of pandemic uh, preparedness. And if there's one message that I want to leave with you today based on my experience, and you'll see that in a moment, is that there is no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease, and we have certainly a large burden of that, But also there will be a surprise outbreak. There will be a surprise outbreak. There will be a surprise outbreak. Now, isn't it interesting that Dr. Fauci, that he had this information, that there would be a surprise outbreak of a pandemic. And as you just heard him say in this message, this would be in addition to diseases that were already ongoing. But yet, it gets more interesting when you consider the next point, because just a few weeks into this pandemic, it was discovered by news journalists who were investigating the story that Dr. Fauci had been funding the Wuhan lab research on the COVID-19 virus for some six years and had sent them a total of $7.4 million. As you can see in this article in the U.S. Sun, which was posted on April 29, 2020. And so you put those two points together. We have Dr. Fauci talking about the surprise outbreak of a pandemic, and now we have Dr. Fauci funding the very lab in the very city in Wuhan, China, where this virus first broke out. And I find it extremely interesting that his position is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. So his responsibilities are not global. They don't include events in China. But yet here he is in this position being exposed as the one who's funding the research in that city. And as we all know, research and development 
go hand in hand. It's a very fine line separating research and development. And so it raises the question, was this lab in Wuhan, China, only researching the virus, or were they the ones developing it? And since the virus first broke out there in Wuhan, it certainly makes that question, I think, worth considering. And that brings me to my third point, which is a prophetic dream that God gave to a man named James Gull, revealing to him what happened in that lab in Wuhan, China. And here's James Gull to tell you. So back in January, then I had, I call these clips. These are shorter like dreams. And then they go into a sequence. So I saw in Wuhan, China, I saw laboratories. And I saw, I didn't know the words all to use, but I saw bioengineered man-made virus and this, so I see things and then I have knowings. And I see and then, or then I hear. So I saw a laboratory in Wuhan, China, and that there was being bioengineered a man-made virus to release in the earth. My knower went, man will say it came from a wet market, and the Lord said it did not. Not in its origin. It originated in Wuhan in a biological uh, lab, man-made, to be released, not from a wet market. I'm not saying it didn't get released, someone picked it up, and then they go there. But what I do know is what I saw. I saw that there was being a weapon. You heard what I just said a weapon being biologically engineered in a laboratory in Wuhan to be released upon the world. It would be said that it came from a, the wet market, but that it didn't in its origin. Okay. Now, as he said, he received this dream back in January of this year, and he says God showed him that in Wuhan they were developing this virus as a man-made weapon to be released in the earth. Now, I don't know James Gall's track record prophetically, but I do know that he is spoken of very highly by someone that I do respect, Dr. Patricia King from Patricia King Ministries, as shown here in this photo. And so I believe the facts that I presented in my first two points are evidence confirming that James Gall heard correctly that this is, in fact, a bioweapon, a man-made weapon that was designed for the purpose of being released upon the world. And I know that might sound highly outrageous to some people because we're not used to thinking in such dark, evil terms, but yet History shows that there is this repeating pattern of very dark, evil 
events. It's happened in the past, and I think it would be unwise to be too quick to dismiss the possibility that it could be happening again. Now let's move on to the next point, number four, and that is the fact that there is a European company named Peerbright Institute that has applied for and received quite a few patents for coronavirus vaccinations. And it just so happens that the man who owns this Peerbright Institute is the same man leading the charge around the world for vaccinations, and that is Bill Gates and his Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And so that you can see the evidence of this, I have a very short video clip from Dr. Rashid Buttar. I want you to see, this is very interesting. This patent is owned by a company called the Peerbright Institute. This is the European Patent Office, as you can see right there. Let me make it even bigger so you guys can see it. European Patent Office. And this is a patent, EP3172319A1 on coronavirus. Now, what's interesting is that this particular one here, this one, again, by the way, look at the application numbers. These are, if you look at who owns these, they're all, applicants are all this Peerbright Institute. I wonder who this Peerbright Institute is. Some of you could probably guess, but this is Peerbright. Now, so let's look up who Peerbright is. So let's go to the Peerbright and see. Ah, look at this, Peerbright Institute, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Interesting, huh? And what an amazing coincidence that this Peerbright company that now owns the patent is owned by Bill Gates. It sure looks like a conflict of interest. And now let's go on to point number five. And this is another statement from Dr. Fauci, which he made on March 11th of 2020 in a statement to the House Oversight and Reform Committee regarding this coronavirus. So at the time, it was only a couple of months old. And in this short clip, Dr. Fauci is explaining that it's 10 times deadlier than the flu. Probably for the practical understanding of the American people, the seasonal flu that we deal with every year has a mortality of 0.1%. The stated mortality overall of this, when you look at all the data, including China, is about 3%. It first started off as 2 and now 3 I think if you count all the cases of minimally symptomatic or asymptomatic infection, that probably brings the mortality rate down to somewhere around 1%, which means it is 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu. I think that's something that people can get their arms around and understand. I mean, people always say, well, the flu, you know, the flu does this, the flu does that. The flu has a mortality of 0.1%. Sure. This has a mortality of 10 times that. Now, since Dr. Fauci came out and made that statement, this topic has been studied by many state health organizations as well as national health organizations from other countries, and all the findings have consistently shown that his statement was the exact opposite of the truth because all the data 
from all these other studies shows that the flu is multiple times more deadly than COVID-19. And I'm going to share with you some examples of what I'm talking about, starting with the fact that the CDC data shows that the actual mortality rate for the flu, and this is from 2017, the flu mortality rate was 0.1377. So that's a little higher. In other words, Dr. Fauci understated a little bit. He said it's 0.1. He's not off much there. But when we get into this other data, his numbers are extremely overstated when it comes to the mortality rate for COVID-19. For example, the state of California revealed uh, numbers that would indicate a 0.0262% mortality rate, which means in the state of California, the flu is 5.2 times more lethal. Okay, Dr. Fauci is saying COVID-19 is 10 times the flu, but the, the data from California shows it the flu is 5.2 times more lethal. Now, these findings were shared by two doctors from Kern County, California, who run a very large uh, medical practice that has seven branches and over 200 employees, most of whom are doctors and nurses. It's called Accelerated Healthcare. And they have their own data because they've done a lot of testing, over 5,100 people. And they've also uh, compared their findings to the findings from state governments and national governments around the world. For example, they found the COVID-19 mortality rate in Spain is 0.05%, which would mean the flu is 2.75 times more lethal than COVID-19. Again, directly contradicting Dr. Fauci. They also presented Norway, where the flu is actually 46 times more lethal because in Norway, the mortality rate for COVID-19 is only 0.003%. Now, the highest mortality rate that they came across for COVID-19 was in the state of New York, but even there, it was 35% less than the flu. So in all these examples, the flu is far more deadly than COVID-19. Yet, never in our history have we quarantined the nation, in fact, all the nations, and shut down businesses and schools in our efforts to fight the spread of the flu. So now we have the whole world freaked out over a virus that's far less lethal than the flu. And despite all these facts, we have not yet heard Dr. Fauci acknowledge that the facts contradict his statement before this House committee. Nor have we heard any suggestions that policies should be adjusted accordingly. Personally, I find it amazing that his facts are so skewed in the wrong direction. And when I combine that with the fact that he has not come forward to make any correction 
it leaves me with the impression that he's trying to mislead us because this information that he presented was not the only misinformation. This whole pandemic has been an onslaught of misinformation and a managed effort to silence anyone coming forth with the facts. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, so I'm going to move on here to point number six because it's another example of wrong information that caused the entire medical community to apply all the wrong kinds of treatment to patients who had contracted this virus. And so I have another video clip. It's one and a half minutes. It's from Dr. Cameron Kyle Sadell explaining why he thinks the whole medical community has been operating under a false medical paradigm that has caused them to treat the wrong disease. This is Dr. Cameron Kyle Seidel, ER and critical care doctor from New York City. Nine days ago, I opened an intensive care unit to sickest COVID positive patients in this city. In these nine days, I have seen things I have never seen before. In treating these patients, I have witnessed medical phenomenon that just don't make sense in the context of treating a disease that is supposed to be a viral pneumonia. Nine days ago, I presumed I was opening an intensive care unit to treat patients with a virus causing a pneumonia that was ravaging lungs across the world, starting out as something mild, a cough, a sore throat, and progressively increasing in severity until ultimately ending in something called acute respiratory distress syndrome, or ARDS. This is the paradigm that every hospital in the country is working under. This is the disease, ARDS, that every hospital is preparing to treat. And this is the disease, ARDS, for which in the next two to six weeks, 100,000 Americans might be put on a ventilator. And yet, everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease, and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. In short, I believe we are treating the wrong disease, and I fear that this misguided treatment will lead to a tremendous amount of harm to a great number of people in a very short time. How many people have suffered and died because the medical community was fed the wrong information about what disease they're treating? And that brings me to the next point, number seven. In February 2020, as this virus first started showing up, in the United States, the CDC, Center for Disease Control, under Director Robert Redfield, sent out testing kits to the laboratories and all the state health agencies, but the state labs were not able to use the testing kits because, as it turned out, they were all contaminated. Now, this caused an extensive delay in getting results early on in fighting this virus. And therefore, it delayed our ability to respond to it correctly. You know, putting all these facts together, it makes you wonder, was somebody behind the scenes wanting this thing to go terribly wrong? And that brings me to my next point. Point number eight, doctors all across the country are reporting being pressured to add COVID-19 
to their cause of death reports. And there are many examples of these stories, but I'm going to share this clip. It's 2 minutes and 23 seconds, and it's from these same two California doctors that I mentioned a little while ago. And when someone, what's interesting to me too is when someone dies in this country right now, they're not talking about the high blood pressure, the diabetes, the stroke. They say, did they die from COVID? There's, as you, I, we've been to hundreds of autopsies. You, you don't talk about one thing. You talk about comorbidities. Their vessels were narrowed. Their lungs were a smoker. COVID was part of it. It is not the reason they died, folks. It is one of many reasons. So to be so simplistic to say that's a COVID death because they have COVID. You know how many people die with pneumonia or people that die from flu? With flu, I should say. It's not from flu. Their, their lungs were compromised by COPD. They had a heart attack two years ago. They have a weakened body. We aren't pressured to test for flu. But ER doctors now, my friends that I talk to say, you know, it's interesting. When I'm, when I'm writing up my death report, I'm being pressured to add COVID. Why is that? Why are we being pressured to add COVID to maybe increase the numbers and make it look a little bit worse than it is? I think so. So this is what I'm hearing from physicians I talked to in Wisconsin, New York, and everywhere. They're, they're being pressured to add it to their diagnostic list. They said we're being pressured in-house to add COVID to the diagnostic list. When we so think it has nothing to do with the actual there. cause of death. The actual cause of death was not COVID, but it's being reported as one of the disease processes and being added to the death list when they died from COPD. They had COVID. COVID didn't kill them. 25 years of tobacco use killed them. There's, there's a post today from a doctor from Wisconsin. I encourage you all to read it. I'll share his story with you. It is exactly what we're saying. And he eloquently displays, he's an ER doctor. He says, I'm walking into this war zone. Our ICUs are empty. I'm scared to go to my own place of work. There's no patients, but we have people in hazmat suits checking my temperature as I walk through the doors. He's like, something else is going on here. This is not about science, and it's not even about COVID. When they use the word safe, the word safe, if you listen to the word safe, that's about controlling you. So when I talk to all my ER doctors who work in a hospital, no stake in the game, same opinion. We all have the same opinion. And so I'm wondering, why on earth would we dismiss the testimonies of all these physicians around the nation while willingly, completely trusting every word that Dr. Fauci says, even though he's been proven to be way off the mark? And trust whatever the CDC does, even though they've been proven to have completely botched their handling of this virus. What on earth is going on with that? And those same two doctors in their press conference that they did on April the 22nd shared a couple of points that I think need to be brought out. And one is that of those people that contracted COVID, their data showed 96% of those people recovered completely, and of the remaining 4% who did die from it, over 90% of those people had what the doctors call comorbidities, which means they had other health issues, serious health issues, 
contributing to and even causing death. And so when you strip out all of those people, if you adjusted the numbers to take them out, the number of healthy people who die from this virus is extremely small. And I just think everybody should know that because the world has been gripped with fear over this little teeny tiny mouse. I mean, you talk about an overreaction, but it gets worse. Let's keep going. Point number nine. In the state of New York, funeral directors are reporting lots of examples of deaths attributed to COVID-19 that were not at all related to it or caused by it. And I have this one minute, 24 second clip so you can hear from them directly. All you're doing is you're padding statistics. You know, you're putting people on that have COVID-19. If they didn't have it, you're making the death rate for New York City a lot higher than it should be. To be honest with you, all of the death certificates, they're writing COVID on all of the death certificates. Whether they had a positive test, whether they didn't. So I think, you know, again, this is my personal opinion. I think like the mayor in our city, they're looking for federal funding, and the more they put certificate, the more they can ask for federal funds. So I think it's 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 political. Um, I had one that was autopsy because it was furious, um, and the apparently, and I don't know who the Supreme Court justice is, but the Supreme Court justice was related to the family. And she says, I know my sister didn't die of COVID-19. She said she had Alzheimer's and they didn't suction her. You have to suction because they forget how to swallow. And um, right away they put down COVID-19 on her death certificate. And this Supreme Court Justice, whoever it is, contacted the hospital. They did an independent autopsy. They got no COVID-19. And so we have lots of testimonies contradicting the government's narrative of what's really happening here. And that leads me to point number 10, which is the censorship that's taking place. So that whenever anyone attempts to share the facts of what's really happening and these kinds of firsthand eyewitness reports, their message either gets shut down, such as all the YouTube videos that have been taken down within minutes or hours of the time that they're published, or a counter-message is immediately published attempting to discredit the person that's bringing forth the facts. And these media giants are not even attempting to hide what they're doing, as the president of YouTube recently stated publicly that they're taking down any videos, messages, whatever, that contradict any statements from the World Health Organization, even though the World Health Organization has been proven to be wrong in many cases. And that leads me to point number 11, with President Trump mobilizing the United States military to give vaccines to many Americans by the end of this year. 
And here is a 51 second video clip showing him making those statements. I think we're going to seen by the end of the year. We're doing very well with the vaccine. And I will tell you something. I just literally left a meeting. We're mobilizing our military and other forces, but we're mobilizing our military on the basis that we do have a vaccine. You know, it's a massive job to give this vaccine. Our military is now being mobilized. So at the end of the year, we're going to be able to give it to a lot of people very, very rapidly. We will have uh, the tremendous force because assuming we get it, then you have to distribute it. Right. And unless you're mobilized and ready, you're not going to be able to do it for a long time. So we're starting now. We're of the assumption that by the end of the year, we're going to have a vaccine and then we have to be able to give it, to use it on most of our population. Now, putting his comments in the context of all the previous points that I've already shared shows, in my opinion, that this is an extreme overreaction. Why on earth would we need the United States military involved in vaccinating the American people for a sickness that all the data shows is less dangerous than the common flu? And so this is why I want to do everything I can to get the information out to the American people because it's absurd what's happening. It's a total disregard for the facts, for the evidence. Let's just forget all the facts and just charge forward with this vaccination agenda. And why not just bring the United States military in to back it up and make it happen? And if it wasn't absurd enough already, let's keep going. Point number 12. These same two doctors who have studied immunology and microbiology for their entire careers and, of course, have degrees in those subjects as well, have revealed and explained that the actions taken to quarantine healthy people is exactly the wrong thing to do because it actually violates everything we know about immunology and how it works and how we build, how our body builds a healthy immune system. So by quarantining healthy people, they're actually making them more susceptible to diseases because their immune systems are being artificially lowered by their lack of exposure to bacteria and viruses, which our body needs. Those are called antigens. Our body needs that exposure to build up a healthy, strong immune system. But so that you don't have to take my word for it, I have this two-minute clip directly from the doctor. Now I want to talk about the immune system. Uh, Dr. Masihi used to teach for immunology. We both had years of microbiology, biochemistry, and virology studies. We've made it our life's work to understand this stuff. And here, I'd like to go over some basic things about how the immune system functions so people have a good understanding. The immune system is built by exposure to antigens, viruses, bacteria. When you're a little child crawling on the ground, putting stuff in your mouth, viruses and bacteria come in, you form an antigen-antibody complex, you form IgG, IgM. This is how your immune system is built. You don't take a small child, put them in bubble wrap in a room and say, go have a healthy immune system. 
This is immunology, microbiology 101. This is not something, this is the basis of what we've known for years. Um, so what I'm seeing is when you take human beings and you say, go into your house, clean all your counters, Lysol them down, you're going to kill 99% of viruses and bacteria, wear a mask, don't go outside. What does that do to our immune system? Our immune system is used to touching. We share bacteria, staphylococcal, streptococcal bacteria, viruses. We develop an immune response daily to this stuff. When you take that away from me, my immune system drops. As I shelter in place, my immune system drops. You keep me there for months, it drops more. And now I'm at home hand-washing vigorously, washing the counters, worried about things that are indeed what I need to survive. Let's follow the science. This is immunology, folks. This is microbiology. This is what we've combined together. We have 40 years of experience in this. This is common sense immunology. So quarantining and social distancing is worse for us, you're saying? It decreases your immune system. You, you can't build an immune system by... If, if someone has a, a reduced immune system, you, you hide them away because they can't build an immune system. If you have a normal functioning immune system, you need interaction. The, the, when a child's in a womb, you're in this protected environment. When you come out, you have almost no immune system. You develop that through touching your mouth, touching your eyes, virus, bacteria, virus, bacteria, immune response, IgG, IgM. This is how you build a strong immune system. And by understanding how immunology works, these doctors are recommending that we go back to work. Okay, so now on to point number 13. On May 22nd, the Center for Disease Control issued what they're calling Interim Guidance for Communities of Faith. And so here, they're singling out communities of faith to give them specific guidelines that they want them to follow. And it was about two weeks later, on June the 6th, that a lady named Jill Noble had an encounter with President Trump's White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator, a lady named Dr. Deborah Burks. And in the following seven-minute video, Jill Noble shares some very surprising information that she learned from that encounter. I've been thinking about doing this Facebook for, I don't know, probably about a week now. And uh, I just decided I'm going to go ahead and do it. Um, I was recently invited to be on a prayer call with the White House. And uh, on this prayer call, uh, they brought on Dr. Deborah Burks. And you all know who she is. She's been seen on uh, the White House uh news briefings with President Trump quite a bit lately. She's part of the, well, in fact, she's now the uh, lead on the uh, COVID task force. So that's, that's who she is. Okay, so, uh, so I'm, on this, I'm on this phone call and I can't figure out why they brought Dr. Burks on this prayer call. I, I don't get it. I, I just didn't understand. But she came on because she was going to tell us about um, the faith community 
and she was going to share with us as faith leaders uh, the guidelines, her, her guidelines, her suggested guidelines. Okay, so uh, she starts out by telling us, first of all, that the primary group with the largest out, uh, outbreak of COVID was the faith community. Well, you know what? I took a little exception to that because frankly, the faith community has not even been allowed to gather. And so I don't know where she gets off saying that the largest outbreak or the primary outbreak is the faith community because that's, that's a blatant lie. That is simply not true. And I, I kind of had a fit about it, but of course we were muted on the call, so it didn't do any good for me to throw a fit. She couldn't hear me. Then she went on to say that uh, there were some other things that she wanted to address about the faith community. Now, we're talking about people like you and I, okay? And she's saying that uh, other people in the faith community are um, were leaders. And because of this, she wants to encourage us to do a few things. You're going to love this. Oh, yeah, you're going to love this. One of the things she wanted to encourage us to do was stop singing. She said singing released droplets. And these droplets, of course, spread COVID. And so she asked us to stop singing when we gather together. And again, I was pretty outraged by this because this felt like an absolute assault on us as Christians. So, so she attacks our community by saying we're the reason that the outbreak is spreading, which is a lie. Then she comes back and says, and by the way, I'm going to ask you to stop singing, right? Well, forget it, Deborah Burks. Forget it. Oh, but wait, it gets better. Then she tells us that uh, because it's so dangerous to gather together as believers, that she has written into the guidelines <laughs> that we just stay at home. She prefers we just stay at home. And she said she was going to push that, that we would just stay at home. So we're the reason that COVID is spreading. We need to stop singing because evidently that spreads COVID. And now we need to stay at home. Okay, she goes on and she says in her, in her guidelines, she goes on and says, and by the way, because you are leaders in your faith community, I'm going to ask you, now this is Deborah Burks talking to us. On the, on the prayer call. She says, I'm going to ask you to uh, encourage the elderly and the weak and the immunocompromised among your faith community to take the vaccines. And now, Deborah Burks, we will not do your dirty work. We not going to encourage our people in our communities to take an untested deadly vaccine with replicated DNA in it, whatever that is. No, we're not going to do it. 
we're on to you. We know precisely what you're trying to do. You're trying to shut us down. And you know what? It isn't going to work because we're not going to let you dictate to us how to worship. We're not going to let you dictate to us when we're going to gather, how we're going to gather. And we're absolutely not going to let you dictate to us that we're going to encourage our elderly and immunocompromised among us to take a vaccine that you know full well will kill them. So, I've said my piece, Facebook. I just want to put that out there. I'm not sure that many of you know what this is or that she's even said these things. But I, I also want to do one more thing, kind of as a, kind of as an act of, I'm not taking this anymore. Here is her, uh, here is her, uh, this is her uh, interim guidance for communities of faith. I'll show it to you here. Okay, here it is. It might be backward to you all. But, but here's, here's what I think about her interim guidance to communities of faith. Yeah. Deborah Burks, you're not going to dictate to us. We're not taking your guidance. We're not going to let you tell us that we can't sing and that we can't worship. We're not going to bow down our knee to you or any other regime in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Thanks, guys, for listening. I appreciate it. And so these Christians came together for what they thought was a prayer call, a prayer line, a White House prayer call. But instead, they were very surprised to learn they were being accused of being the primary carriers of COVID-19, an accusation for which there is no data to back it up. It's being blamed on the Christians. And that accusation is being used for the justification to then tell Christians what to do, namely stop singing, stop singing your praise and worship to God, stop singing, and stop gathering together in your meetings. Just stop, just stay home. That's what you need to do. You need to stay home, and then you need to help get all your people vaccinated, starting with the weakest of them. Now, when you combine these statements with all of the data presented in the first 12 points. I don't know about you, but it smells like a rat to me because we know from the data this COVID-19 is far less dangerous than the common flu, and now it's being used to accuse Christians and control Christians and stop them from meeting together and stop them from singing and worshiping. And they don't stop there, but they ask the leaders of the Christians to round the people up and have them vaccinated. And this tactic sounds so much like what the Nazis did to the Jews in Nazi Germany, falsely accusing them and then finding ways to restrict them until eventually they were all confined into ghetto areas. And then later, they were rounded up and put on trains and sent away to concentration camps. But it all started with these false accusations 
and these restrictions that were based on nothing but a hatred for these people. And if all that sounds way out to you, just wait till you hear the next point, point number 14. And this is a short prophetic dream that was received by James Gall, the same man who shared earlier the dream he received in January regarding the Wuhan China laboratory. This dream he received in April of this year. And so here is a short video clip. It's a little over two minutes in which he shares the details of what he saw. About two and a half weeks ago, in a very vivid dream, I had a book come and appear before me. It had a dragon on the outside of it, and it was the title of it was The Global Dragon Warfare. Now, it was a manual. It flipped open, and I could read the table of contents. And there were 12 chapters in the book, but it was the Global Dragon Warfare Manual. I opened it up in the dream. I go to the table of contents, and there were 12, we call them stages or phases, but in the manual, they were chapters. In yellow highlight marker, it highlighted stage seven, and my knower, see, this is like a combination of seeing, hearing, feeling, knowing. So I saw, dream, dragon, read it, global dragon warfare manual, flips open, table of contents, I see 12. So I saw that there would be 12 stages or phases highlighted in yellow on the seventh stage. Paul said we're not to be ignorant of the devil's schemes. So we can see into, hear into, peer into this mata, the, the blueprints of the enemy at times. So that's what this is. And so I saw a manual of spiritual warfare is what you could call it of a global nature, the global dragon warfare. I opened it up, highlighted on the seventh chapter or seventh phase, it said global pandemic. And it was highlighted because that is where we are. But stage six was the scourge of fear. That is what was being released to lead up unto the seventh stage, which is the global pandemic, I saw into the eighth, and it was global economic collapse. Okay, well, I believe this is a very important dream because it reveals the larger context of what's happening here. And so, in other words, this COVID-19 is not just some random virus that just happened to appear out of nowhere. It didn't happen naturally. This is part of an orchestrated scheme, part of a series of events that has a plan to it, that has a purpose to it, that has a direction to it, that's taking us into the final phases of the last days before the Lord returns.
and he saw that there were 12 phases, 12 stages. You can call them chapters, whatever. But he saw 12. But then his attention was focused to chapter 6, stage 6, the scourge of fear. And that was followed by stage 7, the global pandemic. And that was highlighted to him in yellow. And I would like to offer my interpretation of what he saw. And that is that his eyes first went to stage 6. And the reason for that is because that's where we are right now. The scourge of fear. Stage 7 was the global pandemic. And I don't believe we've seen that yet. I think that's a very important point to make. Because so far, all we've seen is a virus that's far less lethal than the common flu. I really don't think that qualifies for a global pandemic. Yes, we've treated it like it was, but all we've really experienced was a scourge of fear. And so, my interpretation is, everything that's happened so far is just leading us up to the real pandemic that comes next. And these events that we've seen so far have been unprecedented, but unprecedented only in the sense that the world has overreacted in ways that we've never seen before. The response to this virus has been so far over the top compared to the danger that it poses. It's a scourge of fear. That's all that we've seen so far. And so that means we have yet to see the real pandemic. We haven't yet even gotten started yet. And if the world is terrified by this little mouse called COVID-19, then how will they react when the real pandemic shows up? And my interpretation is confirmed by a comment posted yesterday by Jason V. And he states, John Paul Jackson, a prophetic voice, said a virus would come out, but it would amount to little more than fear, but that there would be a second one, and it would be serious. Then Jason said, Sadhu Sundar Selvaraj said a much worse disease is coming after COVID-19. And then finally, Jason shared a third prophetic confirmation from a woman that I'm not familiar with, but her name is Kadisha Jenkins. And in a separate comment, Expat Gal shared two more prophetic confirmations of a more serious pandemic coming after this first one. And now getting back to what James Gull saw in his dream after stage seven global pandemic, he saw the next was chapter eight, stage eight, global economic collapse. And I believe he saw it correctly, because it reveals the whole purpose of what's happening right now is an attack on the economy, the extreme overreaction to this little wimpy 
COVID-19 cannot be justified by the data. It can only be explained by the fact that there is a planned, orchestrated scheme to destroy our economy. What we're seeing right now is an attack on jobs, an attack on small businesses. Many businesses are failing as a result of shutting down the economy, and others are barely getting back on their feet right now. And so I believe the purpose for this next pandemic is to finish the job so that small businesses are almost completely eliminated. And as these businesses go away, so will many jobs. And this will create a centralization of business into the hands of a few large corporations that can be easily controlled from a very high level. And once they have that established, then anybody who wants to work has to play by their rules. And so what we're seeing here is a power shift away from the people and toward a centralized power, a centralized control point that is like a nationalized and eventually a globalized control point. And I know it's hard for some people to imagine that there could be such an evil power that's orchestrating these events, but if you study history, you'll see that this has been happening for hundreds of years, and the whole way it's been orchestrated by this one the Bible calls the mother of all harlots. And this is the Roman kingdom that I've been sharing about in my previous podcasts. As I have been revealing this from the scriptures as well as from history. So if you missed those, I encourage you to go back and get them. And all you got to do is go to z3news.com and click on the link in the top row of links that says Babylon. And it'll take you to where you can see all of these posts regarding the Roman kingdom, this mystery Babylon, this one who is orchestrating and waging war against the people of God. And so what we're seeing here today is not just a blip on the radar screen. It's not just a temporary setback that we go back to normal. No, this is a major shift that's happened. And we are fast approaching the day that the Lord Jesus Christ will return. We are in the last of the last days. And he warned us, and many scriptures have warned us, many chapters of the Bible are devoted to warning us that these are times of trouble on the earth. But at the same time, as the prophet Isaiah told us in Isaiah chapter 60, We're told that these are the days when darkness covers the earth. But it's in these days that the light of God arises upon His people. And when it's talking about the light of God, it's talking about the glory of God. We're going to walk in a greater level of glory 
than we've ever experienced before. And this trouble that's come upon the world, they're going to do their thing. These things are going to unfold. These things are going to come. We're not going to pray them away. These things are recorded in scriptures. It must be fulfilled. And God has given the evil one a chance to have his day, to have his 42 months, that he's finally going to get what he thought he always wanted. But it's only going to be used as a testimony against him. So that for all time and all eternity, everyone will look and see that this one who thought that he could exalt himself above the throne of God was nothing more than a fool. Well, there's a whole lot more that could be said about this COVID-19 farce and many other examples of how these things are being orchestrated based on nothing but media hype and manipulation. But I think I've presented enough for one day, and I'm going to leave it there for now. So thanks for joining me today, and I hope to be back again soon with another program. Until then, so long.